Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, what's up everybody? Good morning. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Vineyard. Glad you're here. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at the church. So happy to have you. Isn't this fun when we're all together? Some of you are like, I didn't know I went to, per- I didn't know I went to church with that person. I'm reconsidering this. That's what happens. Like you become a first service person. You don't even have a clue who comes to your second service and Now you're going to find out over the next few weeks. Well, hey, uh, welcome again. Uh, This is the first Sunday of Advent. That's why we have this candle lit here this morning. And the title of today's message is Watch and Wait. Watch and Wait. And Amanda and Eric, they read for us at the beginning of the service a portion of Mark chapter 13. I want to read the next section of Mark chapter 13 because it's actually the Advent gospel passage for us this morning. And some of you might be thinking, that didn't sound very Christmassy. (laughs) This next section doesn't either. So Seth, maybe we can put that up because this is the next thing that Jesus says. He says, however, nobody knows the hour or the day when these things are going to happen Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And when he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the house will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn or at daybreak, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everybody, watch for him. That's our text this morning. Title of today's message is Watching And waiting, first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is anticipation. Anybody in the room ever waited for something with expectation and excitement? Anybody ever done that? Maybe you're doing that now, you know? Uh, What are some of the things that people wait for with expectation and excitement? Christmas break. break. All the teachers in the room, (laughs) right? Two more, just two more weeks. It's just 10 more days with those, those little hellions. That's all you got to do. 10 more days. That's it. You can do anything for 10 days. And then you get two weeks off to do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe some of you have had children and you remember that moment when your wife was pregnant and she was growing. What happens at the end of a pregnancy? You're miserable and you just want the baby 
to be in your arms, right? And the moms know this especially. Like, you know, you spend all those months and you feel the changes. The little suckers in there like kicking your ribs and your kidneys and you can put your hand on your wife's stomach and you can feel the alien forces. You know, it's like, you remember that? It's so wild. Yeah, you just, you anticipate the coming of that child, especially the moms. Or maybe a wedding day. You spend all that time prepping. You buy the dress, you plan meals, you, you work out travel arrangements, uh, you book your honeymoon, and in the end, what do you want to do? You just want to run away and elope, right? Every single, every single couple has this moment at some point where you look at each other and go, we should just run away. Like, we should just run away. Why? Because, because you have to wait, and it's so difficult to wait. Or, or maybe... Maybe you remember that moment before the arrival of a child or even a wedding day and a honeymoon. Maybe you remember that day that's like way before when you, when you texted a potential love interest. And what are you waiting for then? For them to text you back. It's like, I think you like me. And then you text them and then, then you're waiting like, do they like me? Do they text back? Are they a slow texter? I'm getting nervous about this relationship. Or maybe you ordered something in the mail and you're just stoked for it to arrive. And here's what I've noticed about waiting for things that you have some expectation about. It causes you to do a few things. Number one, it causes you to hyperfixate. When you're waiting on things, it causes you to hyperfixate. Have you noticed that? You know, uh, are, hey, babe, am I carrying the baby lower? Like, I think it's like a half inch lower, right? Did it drop some? Do, d- does my baby look like it's hanging just a little lower today? I, b- I, yes. <laughs> Definitely lower. Are your contractions closer together? Or maybe this question, did everyone RSVP for the, for the, for the wedding, did, did we get everybody's name in? Did the groomsmen pick up their tuxes? The answer to that question is always no. No, they didn't. Or they got their tuxes, but they didn't get their shoes. There's always that one doofus groomsman who doesn't have his shoes. What? I didn't know we came with shoes. You know? I didn't know. What, black belt? Oh. Or you jump on your email and you track your orders three times a day. Anybody done that? You're like really excited about a thing. You're like, it's like UPS, track, track. Well, it's still in St. Louis. Okay, I'm going to refresh. Still in St. Louis. Why is it in St. Louis? You know, it's like I could, will they let me drive to St. Louis? It's only five hours from here, you know? So number one, you hyperfixate. And then number two, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you just experience time in a very weird way. Uh, have you noticed that it, that it feels like time slows down when you're in anticipation mode? It feels like the days, they just get really, really slow. And if you're a kid, you can magnify this times a hundred. Like when it comes to Christmas, kids just experience that last two weeks before Christmas is anguish. It's just like, God, and every day when you're a kid, what do you ask your parents? Can I open one present? No, 
but just one. Make it a, can I open my socks? Let me open the socks. No. And then the third thing that happens when you're in anticipation and expectation mode is you end up making up all kinds of traditions. I mean, this is, this is actually one of the things that traditions do. I don't know if you're aware of this. Like traditions not only help you mark the time and traditions not only help you say, well, this, this is a special season, but, but traditions actually kind of just help us be occupied in a moment of waiting because waiting's really, really hard. It helps to pass the time. It helps us to enjoy the waiting. Uh, maybe, maybe at Christmas you watch certain movies with your kids. Anybody do that? Yeah. You know one of the reasons you do that? is because if they watch the movie, they'll stop asking you to open up presents. <laughs> do, you know why you make, do you know why you make gingerbread houses with the kids? Because they'll stop asking to open up presents. That's why you do it. That's one of the reasons you have the tradition. It helps fill up with the time. It's not just saying this is special. It helps them just chill out for a minute. Or maybe you open up Christmas pajamas on Christmas Eve. You don't open up the fun stuff, but you open up... Because pajamas aren't fun. Who are we kidding? But it's, it's a little appetizer, right? It's a little appetizer. And you have wedding showers and baby showers, and they help you prep for the new season, but they also help us wait, and they help us stay attuned to the moment. That's what it's about. I hope you notice that today's passage didn't feel very Christmassy. Didn't feel very Christmassy. Today's passage is about a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Well, here's what I want to tell you uh, to begin with. Number one, we're in the first week of Advent. It's the week of hope. And uh, Advent is a special time in the church calendar leading up to Christmas. And that word Advent means something like coming or arriving. Coming or arriving. And how many of you, when you hear the word coming or arriving, understand that the thing that's right underneath that is waiting. Because if something's coming, you're going to have to wait for it. And if something's arriving, then there's that period of time where it isn't there. And part of what we're waiting for, or part of what we're looking for in terms of arriving and coming, is the birth of Jesus. So this is that moment in the church calendar when the whole church around the world slows down and says, you know what? Uh, Jesus Christ will be born, the divine will take on human flesh, and God will come as tender as a baby. And that's like part of the Advent frame. But that's not the only Advent frame. Uh, There's a sense in which waiting for the birth of the baby Christ becomes a prism through which we look for and we anticipate and we expect and we wait for the second coming of Jesus. So anytime the church enters into Advent, we're, all, we're doing two things at once. Number one, we're looking for the birth of the baby son. But number two, we're looking for the full-grown adult Jesus to come back in the clouds and to make the world right. And so that's the reason why this year, one of the things you'll notice is, is that almost all the gospel readings uh, that we're following along with through the lectionary, they're apocalyptic passages where Jesus says, you might want to get ready because I'm coming back. I'm coming back back. I want to remind you maybe of one more thing. How many of you watched Sesame Street when you were a kid? Anybody watch Sesame Street? Like if you're, I'm 45. If you're my age, you, you watched Sesame Street. You just did. But do you remember that moment in Sesame Street? You know that little guy named Grover? 
Grover had this thing that he would sometimes do. He had this one lesson in particular, maybe you remember it, where he would run up close to the camera. He would run, he would run. And what would he say? Near. And then he would run backward and he would teach you what? Far. Near and far. And <laughs> I, I should do it at the camera, right? You know, for everybody who's streaming. Near. Far. And every time I dance around up here, someone after the service comes up to me and goes, you're making me really nervous and you're going to fall off. Listen, guys, I know this stage. But the reason I bring up Grover and Near and Far is because one of the ways you have to read the words of Jesus, especially prophetic, apocalyptic kinds of words from Jesus, is you have to read them with Grover in your brain, which means that there's almost always a near meaning and there's almost always a far meaning. And so in the day's passage, Jesus is saying a lot of things. He's saying, hey, look, some trouble is going to come on the world. Things are going to get really hectic. Uh, there are going to be some people who say they're Messiah. They're not the Messiah. Why? Because I'm the Messiah. Uh, things are going to go really, really sideways. If you can run out of Jerusalem, you should leave Jerusalem. That's what he says earlier in chapter 13. If you can get out, you should get out. And then he says this in today's passage that Eric read. Uh, you'll know it's time. You'll know it's time. Just like in the same way that you know it's summer because the fig tree has leaves on it. When all of these things I've been telling you about, uh, all these things that have to do with Jerusalem and the temple, when all these things happen, you'll know that there's something else that's about to happen and you'll know that the Son of Man's about to make a return appearance. Now, the near meaning in all of Luke chapter, I mean, Mark chapter 13 has to do with the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Like every single thing that Jesus is talking about in Mark 13, it actually already happened. And uh, what happened? Well, you got the temple, all the Jews worship there. You've got the sacrifices and all the things that go on there. And about 40 years after Jesus's death, burial and resurrection, uh, the Romans come in, they just sack the place. That's it, set it on fire. And it became a really, really bad time. And that'd be the near meaning. Now, there's also a far meaning. And the far meaning has something to do with the second coming of the sun. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to say three things about the passage this morning. And I think I have a little tiny outline, outline Seth. I want to talk to you in three ways this morning. Number one, I want to talk to you about having hope for his coming. And then number two... I want to talk to you about having hope in the midst of trouble. And then number three, I want to talk to you about having hope-empowered waiting and watching abilities. Hope for his coming, hope in the midst of trouble, and hope-empowered waiting and watching. Number one, hope for his coming. I hope you notice that Jesus is telling stories here about the world He's telling stories about the world in trouble, especially in verse 21. He talks about there'll be false messiahs. He says uh, deception will be rampant. Uh, he uses phrases like this. Eric even read it earlier this morning. Days of anguish. Did you, did you read that part that got you this morning? There'll be days of anguish, upheaval. But in the middle of it, 
he declares that the son of man will come in the clouds. And by the way, that little phrase, the son of man will come in the clouds, that's like pointing back to the book of Daniel. Like you can't really catch Mark 13 without understanding the book of Daniel. Like it's all connected. And in verse 34, he talks about the coming of the son of man again. Maybe Seth, we can put up verse 34. I just want you to see this. It's days of upheaval. And then he says, the son of man, it's like this. It's like a man going on a long trip, right? He's talking about himself here. And Jesus, in all of these stories and in everything he's saying in Mark chapter 13, he's inviting us to hope for his coming. And here's what's present to me as I've been sitting with this passage this week. Uh, The first thing that's present to me is that we live in a world that's upside down. Are you aware of this? Let me just outline this for you for a moment. There are two very hot wars going on right now. A war between Russia and Ukraine and the situation in the Middle East is very tense. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon either, right? And this is to say nothing of the things that are happening in Africa that never make the headlines anymore, right? Uh, There are hot wars everywhere. Uh, This is probably the most dangerous moment the planet has endured in a couple generations. We're living in it. Uh, We're living in a moment also where truth is really hard to get a handle on. Have you noticed that? Truth is really hard to get a handle on, which is part of what Jesus was saying in verse 21 when he says, hey, when all this stuff is about to take place with me, uh, one of the things that'll be assigned to you is there'll be all these false messiahs that show up which is another way of saying truth will be really hard to get a handle on. Jesus is like, there's going to be people saying, I'm the one. And Jesus says, they're not the one. It's another way of saying truth is going to be really, really mixed up. One of the things that's hard to understand right now is who's telling the truth about anything. And how do you know that something is true? So many things can be deep faked. Have you seen some of the videos that are on the internet right now? And you think, oh, that, that happened. Then you find out like three days later that none of that happened. Uh, did you know that right now AI can basically deep fake anybody's voice who's spoken a lot in public? Uh, did you know that, that I've preached here enough and it's on the internet enough, it would be really, really easy for you to take an AI, run several of my sermons through it and create a deep fake and all of a sudden Pastor Adam is saying all kinds of crazy things on the internet that might not be true at all. That's the current state of the world. So we have deep danger, It's really hard to get a handle on what is true. There's so many narratives. There's so many stories. And we can all sort of choose what we want to believe because somewhere on the internet, someone who looks like an expert will agree with us. This is what I want you to know. (laughs) Maybe you found this out, you know. Some of your family members, maybe they believe crazy things, but there's somebody on the internet who looks like a respectable person who agrees with them. And so they go, look, right? In this moment... In this moment, in a world that we're living in, a world that's upside down, Jesus would encourage you and I to hope for his coming. In what kind of way? Like little kids who long for Christmas morning, like a bride and a groom anticipate a wedding day. And you might be asking yourself, why? Here's why. Because Jesus is the true source of hope and Jesus is the true source of truth and Jesus is the true source of reality. And also because there's so many other forms of hope that the world is trying to offer. Jesus talks about false messiahs. Read for that false sources of hope. 
This world is full of false sources of hope. Some of us in the room have put our hope in our career. You know, what I need is a better job. Or we put our hope in money. Or we put our hope in the right president. Or we, or we throw all of our hopes in with a political party. Can I tell you something? That's disastrous. That's disastrous. Or we put our hopes in the stock market, our portfolio. You know what? I'll have, a, I'll have more hope and I'll feel better about my situation when I get a few more rental properties. That's what I need. I need, I need a few more rental properties. As soon as I get my rental game down and my, and my 401k settled, and as soon as this political party's in, then, then I'll have hope in this world. As soon as I have a more connected social network, And here's what I'd like to say to the church this morning. All of that is false hope. Those are false messiahs. False messiahs. Church, put your hope in the Jesus who is going to come again. The Jesus who is going to come again. Number two, Jesus invites us to hope in the midst of trouble. One of the things that's very present in this text, and I've tried to play it up already, is that Jesus is saying these words about a world which will be in trouble, all kinds of trouble. Earlier in chapter 13, Jesus says, when you see this kind of thing happening, if you can get out of Jerusalem, you should. Uh, You should. Big time trouble. And the world we currently live in is experiencing trouble. And some of us in the room, uh, we have troubles that are not out there in the world, but they're like, in our house. Uh, Some of us have broken relationships or some of us have banged up bodies, you know, or some of us just ended up with a diagnosis that we never thought we'd get. Or, or, Or some of us come into Christmas and we realize I don't have enough money. Or some of us live with never ending anxiety. You know, this is the most anxious generation Maybe ever, maybe ever. And to everybody who's experiencing trouble, Jesus would invite everyone in the room to put your hope in him, no matter what's going on. Maybe you're longing for children, or maybe you're longing for a mate, or maybe you wish you could fix that relationship that's been broken. Uh, maybe, Maybe you've decided what you need is a decent career, And maybe all of your troubles feel very present to you. And even in the middle of this kind of swirl, here's what I want you to know this morning. You can have hope, and the hope you can have is in Jesus. Notice that Jesus doesn't promise a life free of troubles. You know? There's no place in Mark chapter 13 where Jesus is like, hey, it's all going to be fine. In fact, what he says is, it's going to be tough. It's actually going to be tough. Uh, Jesus is not giving everybody like this magical easy button, you know? But in the midst of troubles, the gospel to us is that you and I can put our hope in him and we can anticipate his presence in the middle of problems and troubles. Don't just look for an escape from the trouble, but look for him. That's, that's like one of the things that he's inviting us to. You know, one of the things I do when I get in trouble, I look for a way out. But Jesus says when the world gets really complicated, whether it's personally or globally, whether it's in your house or regionally, when things get really complicated, begin to look for him. Look for him. I, look, I always look for an escape. But Jesus says you should look for the son of man who's coming in the clouds. Because when he comes, 
all trouble and all sorrow will cease. Here's what's true about this situation for me. Uh, one of the things I've realized is that when I escape my problems, new ones greet me. <laughs> you, ever, you ever notice that? It's like, oh, I have this problem. And then I get out of it and then I turn around the next day and then there's a new problem. You know, it's just like they just keep popping up like little gophers. You know, you knock that one down. It's whack-a-mole. It's like... And part of what we're being invited into in the Advent season is to hope for the return of Jesus because when the Son of Man comes, all sorrow and all trouble will cease. And then finally, Jesus invites us to have the kind of hope that empowers us to watch and wait or to live with an awake heart. The last little story that Jesus tells in this passage is about a man who goes on a long trip. He's like, think of it like this. There's this guy who goes on a long trip. And when he leaves, he gives each of his servants a job to do. And he says to the gatekeeper, hey, look for me. I'm coming back. The gatekeeper's like, when are you coming back? He's like, I don't know, but I'll be back. And so everybody here, including you, you should watch because maybe I'll come at midnight. Maybe I'll come in the middle of the night, maybe I'll come early in the morning or maybe it'll be at noon, but you might want to be found awake when I show up. That's the story that he tells. And then at the end, look at what he says. He says, watch for him, which is a way of saying, watch for me. Jesus invites us to watch and to wait because no one knows when he'll return. And this is an invitation to hope. It's an invitation to watch and part of the way I've been thinking about it in my mind this week is this. It's an invitation to live with an awake heart. How many of you know there's a difference between an anxious heart and an awake heart? There's a difference. You know, I've lived some years with an anxious heart. It's pointless, by the way. Like, what are you going to do? There's a difference between having an anxious heart and having an awake heart. An anxious heart is nervous. Also, an anxious heart is fixated on performance. But an awake heart is trusting and alive. Just like the kids who long for Christmas, we're invited to watch over our lives. And part of what's present to me in this passage is that one of the best ways to wait is to lean into the things that Jesus gave you to do. Did you notice this? He's like, let me tell you a story. It's like this guy goes on a long trip and he gives every one of his servants a job. And then he says, you don't know when I'm going to come, so you might want to, you might want to watch and wait by doing the thing I gave you. Here's what I want to say to everybody in the church this morning. Do you know the things that Jesus has given you to do? Do you know the things that Jesus has given you to do? Uh, everybody in this room, uh, if you have decided to follow Jesus, he has given me and you a job in this world. And this is how we watch and this is how we wait faithfully to lean into our work, to lean into our calling, our vocation, our duties. And his invitation to watch and wait and work, to live out our duties is an invitation to live with an awareness that this really is his world. One of the things that happens when we live sometimes is we, we, we live as though Jesus is completely gone. And maybe this world is somebody else's world. You know, this world is... Maybe this is Putin's world, or maybe this is Elon Musk's world, or, or, maybe, or maybe this world is 
the market's world. You know, the invisible hand of the market. That's whose world this is. Or, or maybe, maybe this world is, is the world of whoever's strongest and has the best tanks and guns. And here's what Jesus would actually say to us. And I want you to remember Mark 13, 34 through 37. This is his world. This is his world. And, and you and I are invited to hold our positions in his world. And even while we wait and even while we watch, we have not been forsaken because this is his world. Here's what I would like the church to know this morning. This is not Elon Musk's world. And this is not the market's world. Uh, this is not Putin's world. This is not the strongman's world. Uh, this is not the Republican's world. This is not the Democrat's world. This is Jesus's world. And we're called to watch and to wait for him. And here's how you and I watch and wait. Pick up the things he told you to do. Pick up the things he told you to do. You'll find hope in it. And we don't have to wait until he returns to begin to see the inbreaking of the kingdom. If we just do what he says now, some of that stuff begins to come up from the ground. This is God's world and Jesus is the true king and we wait and we watch and our waiting is not passive or resigned. You and I have a job to do. Mark chapter 13, verse 34. Here's the last thing I want to say. This world has not been forgotten. This world has not been forgotten. The God who counts the hairs on your head looks at this world and he watches and he waits himself. He is watching and waiting over this world even this morning. And so here's what I want to say to the church. There is hope for everybody in the room, for everybody in the room. And part of our hope is that Jesus is going to come back and anything that is wrong is going to be made right. And everybody, everybody, especially those those powers of the world that have complicated things, they're all going to be called to an account. Like Jesus is not going to let the powers of the world who have held people down get away with it forever. There will be a day of reckoning and you and I can put our confidence in that. And in the meantime, he gave you and I a job. Mark chapter 13, verse 34. He went on a long trip and he has given every one of his servants something to do. That's what we do. We watch and we wait. And for that reason, you can have hope today, even in the midst of troubles, even in the midst of difficulty, and even in the midst of pain, we have not been forsaken. So if you're on the worship team this morning, come on up. If you're not on the worship team, why don't you stand right where you are? Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.